before Pastor Jared goes, I didn't recognize him at first. Like, his tan is the same as his pants. It's crazy. It's nice. It was on purpose. But, you know, the, uh, just before you go, Pastor Jared, the, the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And uh, I just love this man of God. He's a great man. I know he labors very hard for this church and this community. And my community, I don't just mean Naugatuck. I mean you. Uh, he loves and cares for you all. So uh, just for him and his family, can we just take a minute and just show them some appreciation? I don't care if you want to clap or hug him or give him high fives, whatever. But can we just show some appreciation for him? Yeah. They're awesome. They're awesome. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation to speak here this morning. Man, praise God. He blessed us with a beautiful day, didn't he? I'm thankful. I'm uh, glad to be here. As he said, I've, I've been here a number of times, but it seems like um, it's been like a, a little over a year, I think, since the last time I was here. And so it's exciting to see some, some new faces and then to see some new old faces. So it's exciting to see a lot of you here. And uh, I'm just glad to be here, glad to be a part of what God is doing and in, uh, in his church today. Um, like he said, I'm from the other side of the state, but it's one body, right? The Bible says we're one body. We're fitly joined together, and we need one another. The, can't, the hand can't do it without the, the arm, right? The arm can't do it without the shoulder, right? We need one another, and so uh, fellowship and getting together and encouraging one another and uh, like this morning, we're going to break into God's Word. We're going to break bread together. We need to do that. The Bible says that they went from house to house breaking bread. And so it's important that as Christians, we don't, we don't realize or just think that our church is the only church. His church is more than the four walls that we sit in this morning. We are His church. Just a part. But we need one another. Amen? Praise God. And uh, like I said, it's been a little while since I've been here, but I love coming. I think last time I was here, I told you, this is my home away from home, kind of, as it relates to church. And uh, I'm just excited for what God's doing. And it is an honor to, um, to be here. Uh, the last year has been kind of up and down, kind of crazy for me. Um, and that's why I haven't been back. I've been wanting to. I mean, I talk to Pastor Jared all the time, and I come down for meetings with him and uh, some of the members of the board and stuff, but... It's been uh, last year, and the last time I was here is just before, about a year and two months ago, somewhere around there. And I came and I led worship. And, um, man, I tell you, probably five or six times I've just like, I've made plans with Pastor Jared. I'm going to come this weekend. I'm going to bring a band. We're going to do this. And I'm going to come this weekend. I'm going to preach. I'm going to do that. And, help, you know, and every time, it never failed. I had to back out. Um, Last year in October, the pastor of our church, the lead pastor of our church, came to us and let us know that he was moving on in ministry. It was just really felt God was calling him to a different area in, in ministry, and he was moving. And uh, he didn't just drop the ball on us, but it was kind of a, like one of these moments of like, whoa, okay, uh, what are we going to do, Lord? What are we going to do? And uh, that was October, and he was uh, maybe late September, and he was going to be leaving in November. And so uh, I'm on the church board at my church, but I'm also, uh, so the church board became the de facto um, search committee for a new pastor. And so during those four months, I was not an interim pastor. I was a pastor at the church, 
serving, and I was working full-time, which I do outside, outside the church. I was youth pastoring, worship leading, and then ministering. And so this was four months of, you know, like Sunday mornings, I'd put the microphone down from singing songs, and I'd put on the lapel mic, and I'd get ready to preach, you know? So then, you know, so thank God there were some other people that stepped in and gave us a hand on some weekends. I didn't have to do it all, but man, it was busy for four months. Uh, but praise God, he's provided us with a, a new lead pastor at our church who is uh, like Pastor Jared, just a, a man of integrity uh, and excited about serving and about working and reaching the community and reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. Amen? So just glad that that four months was kind of over. But uh, it's been good. It's been good. Good but busy. Pastor Jared took it. I was going to ask you all to turn to somebody and give them a high five. Can we do it again? Listen, turn, turn to the person you came to see this morning and give them a high five. <laughs> all right. Turn to that person you didn't come to see and tell them, I get to see you anyway, praise God. All right? Hallelujah. So let's, let's, let's get into what we got, are, are here for, and uh, that's to hear from the Lord through his word this morning. Amen? Let's just take a minute and pray. Father, we just thank you again for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come into your house, to worship you, and to hear from you, Lord. Lord, I would just ask you to bless your word, that it would go out and not return void, as your scripture says, Lord, your holy scriptures. Lord, we know this morning that this word is from you. Lord, help us to take it and apply it to our lives. Lord, I would ask that um, eyes be open this morning. Ears, deaf ears would be open to hear from you this morning. Lord, that hearts would be open to receive your word this morning, to receive what you'd have for them to hear this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the things that you're doing in our lives, in our home and in our church, Lord. We just pray, pray in your precious name. Amen. Praise God. How many of you know that God has no grandchildren? God's got no grandchildren. He's got sons and daughters. Anybody ever heard that term before? Anybody heard that saying? And when it comes to Knowing God, we're going to know him as a father. The song we sang this morning said, good, good father. Amen? No matter how crazy, how messy your life is, no matter how messy your family history is, no matter how it looks, no matter how crazy it's been, God has a plan and a purpose for you. And this morning, I want to just talk to you just for a few minutes on a message that I'm saying is from mess to messenger. From mess to messenger. You know, I have an incredibly big family. And if I, I could tell you story after story of God's protection, provision, I could tell you about my family, the, the, the acts of love and kindness and deliverance that God's done. I don't just mean for my immediate family. I'm talking about extended family. It's incredible. 
I love my family. But I have a family that's been through the storm. When you look at some of the things they've been through from the outside, it looks messy. It looks disgusting. It looks ugly. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? If I had to live my life based on what my family looked like, I'd be doomed. I'd have no hope. Let me tell you what it would look like. With the family history I have, we have a family history of alcoholism, drug abuse, sexual abuse, divorce, hatred, division, unforgiveness, laziness, good for nothing, hopeless. Do you hear me? It's messy, isn't it? Disgusting. And I'm not proud of those things. But what I am telling you this morning is that I'm proud that I'm no longer a part of those things. I'm proud to stand here this morning and tell you that doesn't control God's purpose for my life. Amen. That will tweet. It's a bad joke. Right? It doesn't control God's purpose for my life. And I'm thankful that as Christ followers, our dysfunctional family no longer dictates within the body of Christ. No longer dictates our function within the body of Christ. One of my family members, my grandmother, I'll tell you a little bit about her. This is my dad's mother. And this lady I am proud of. I love her to death. She's since passed away, but I grew up. And um, she was kind of crazy. Almost legit, like crazy. Right? Not quite. They probably did lock her up before she became a Christian. But, but um, she was an alcoholic. She was a drug addict. This is the, the early 60s. And through the 60s, she was a, uh, a woman who needed attention. She was seeking attention. She was always looking for love. And she had seven children by three different fathers. One of the first three was my dad. He was the second one. And uh, when she left that man, she put her three children in an orphanage. And... Um, This was my dad, his older brother, and his younger sister. Not his youngest sister, but his younger at that time. All right? So this is just one story of how ugly my family could be, where we were at. Now, I wasn't born in the 60s. I wasn't, thank God I wasn't born until the 70s. But um, she was a character. And in the 70s, she came to know Jesus. And her life was radically, I'm telling you, radically transformed for the Lord. She became a whole new person, a new creature. Like, you wouldn't recognize her. She was still crazy, right? But it was different. Now she was crazy for the Lord, the way she served, the way she acted. I, I, my friend Rachel came with me this morning, and I tell you, my grandmother, he could probably testify to this, and it, the church that I grew up in at Rato. Rato was actually one of my youth workers, although he's not much older than me. Uh, when he was a, still a teenager, when I was, you know, twelve or thirteen, he was one of my youth workers. 
But in a church of about seven to 800 people, my grandmother, she's four foot 11, and she was the loudest voice in the amen section of the church, right? You heard her. I mean, you, she could be, the, for her, she would be in the back. You know, this is a church that would hold 1,200 people. She'd be in the back, and you could hear all the way in the front. You know, in the past, every time she'd say something, whoa, like, you, know, you could hear that she, you know, she just became so much different than who she was. And, um, you know, I just remember as a, as a young man, 12, 13, 14 years old, when I wasn't serving the Lord, I, you know, I kind of grew up around church, but for a period of about four years, I really kind of ran from the Lord. I had no desire to have any part of it, nothing to do with it. And, um, you know, I remember being a teenager, even, even younger, um, in my grandmother's house down in the basement. My grandfather was a big guy as far as uh, he loved, he was not saved, but he loved to record movies on VHS. So he had about 4,000 movies on tape. He had them all in a catalog and, you know, tell you what the movie was rated, what it was about, who starred in it. And we'd be down there, me, my brothers, my cousins, we'd be down there, we'd spend nights over there, down in the basement, watching movies we weren't supposed to watch. And Grandma would be her house. The, there was a, a room that was off to the side that was halfway up the basement stairs. And uh, she'd be in there, and she would be praying. And, I, and I, when I mean praying, I don't just mean our Father who art in heaven. You know, she was travailing, crying, praying. I know she was praying downstairs for us. We heard her, you know. While we're down there doing things and watching things we're not supposed to, she's up there praying you know, so she was a praying lady. And I thank God for that change in our family's trajectory, the way we were headed. Right? Because one person came to know the Lord. But praise God, when I was uh, in, the, in the mid-90s, 1995, um, my grandmother passed away at the age of 56. And she was getting ready to become a missionary to... Indian reservations in Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, into Canada. She, that's where she was born, and she really felt God was calling her back there. And uh, she got sick, had cancer, and uh, after fighting for a couple years, she passed. And um, it was kind of at that moment, let's say, that uh, we were in the house. She was still there. She had passed. The family was all around. The pastor of the church came and just said, Lord, I'm praying that these children and grandchildren would pick up her torch and run with it, right? And I didn't hear God speak to me in an audible voice. It wasn't like, Nathan, <laughs> right? That'd be crazy probably, right? But he impressed so much in my heart, my need for him at that very moment that following Sunday I was in church and I was at the altar crying and weeping and asking Christ into my life. And since that day, I've served him. Right? I know it was her prayers that made a difference for me. You know, I knew about the Lord. Right? I knew who he was. I knew about him. But I didn't know him. I did not know him. Praise God. I appreciate him so much. I want to talk for a few minutes and take a look at a couple of stories surrounding uh, Jesus and his family. Jesus and his family. 
There are two main scriptures uh, that share the genealogy of Jesus. And I'm going to ask, if you have your Bible, to turn with me. I didn't put this up on a slide, but uh, I did put it. The next slide does tell you where, where we're headed to. But we're just going to head over to Matthew chapter 1 for just a minute. We're not going to read it, but I want to just point out a couple things. Matthew chapter 1. It's about a two-thirds of the way in of your Bible. It's the very first chapter of the New Testament. And page 807 in my Bible. All right. And um, what's really cool is as you read through this chapter, and it's titled The Genealogy of Jesus Christ. And this is not a book or a chapter you want to volunteer to read at Bible study. Okay? It is full of names that you're just going to trip over. I promise you, I promise you, you will not want to volunteer to read this at Bible study. But, just to give you an idea, this says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah and Tamar and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, the, excuse me, of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadad, and Amminadad the father of Nashon. So this goes on and on and on and on, all the way down to Jesus, all the way down to Jesus. And when you look at the genealogy of who he is, this is not something that's often preached about because it's just a bunch of names. But when you really dig into it and you really study what's behind some of these names, you'll see that the history and the lineage of Jesus Christ was just like us. It was messy. Right? There was some, some tremendous victories, but there was some tremendous ugliness that took place as well. So, remember, don't, don't volunteer for this in Bible study. Uh, you know, a lot of times this, this, this scripture is just skipped over because we don't think it has much meaning. It doesn't have much value to us as Christians. And I'd say that that's kind of like us sometimes. As Christians, we don't want to recognize our history, where we've been, what we've been through. We want to forget about it, skip over our family history, the good, the bad, the ugly, Right? We want to forget about it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to share. We don't want to tell people our problems and what we've been through. Okay? So the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is talking to a Jewish audience here, and it has a lot of significance for this Jewish audience to understand that their Messiah was one of them. Okay? Okay? They needed to see. That's why he just spent this time. This is how Jesus came. They had to understand because their Messiah was supposed to be one of God's chosen people, one of Israel. And that's why this genealogy is so important, why it's placed here. In Luke chapter 3 is the other place that we see it. And you can tell it's not quite as important to Luke because it's where? The third chapter, right? It's not chapter 1. It's the third chapter of Luke. And Luke's purpose was not to show this picture that Jesus was the Messiah of the chosen people, but that he was the Messiah and to be the Messiah for all people. 
not just a few. And it was significant that he paint the picture that Jesus Christ was both fully man and fully God. You see in the scripture in Luke chapter 3, when Jesus is being baptized, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove from heaven to Jesus. The Father speaks and says, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? We see a perfect picture of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit together in Scripture. So that was Luke's challenge and what he was speaking to so that everybody could know who this man was, who, that this guy was God. He was a man, but he was God in the flesh. That's hard sometimes as Christians for us to reconcile how this guy who's walking around on earth could be 100% man and 100% God, but he was. He was one of us. He lived and breathed and moved and was challenged and tested and tempted just like we are. Amen? Hallelujah. So when we look at some of these individuals and these accounts, these are true people, these are real people. We see that Jesus was a lot like us. He had some incredible victories in his genealogy, but he had a heritage and a family history that was messed up. But thank God that did not dictate who he was or what God's plan for him was here. My first point in the message this morning, we are messy, people are messy, but God is not. He's not messy. God the Father has all things in control. His very word holds things in place. Hallelujah. By, by his word, all things were created. We were created. The earth was created. The universe was created. By his word, he holds it all in control. He's a God of order. Amen? We know that Christ was perfect in all of his ways. With that being said, you'd think that his family had to be stellar character. Top-notch people right? At least I would. Man, this guy's perfect. He must have had a great family. They must have been perfect. They were, they were perfect in all their ways, but they weren't. They weren't. Hallelujah. Abraham, here's just a few of them. And these are all, all names from that scripture, Matthew chapter 1. Abraham said that his wife was his sister twice so that he wouldn't have to fight for her. Abraham was a coward and a liar. Isaac did the same thing and got caught snuggling up to her. Jacob lied to his father, cheated his brother, and ripped off his father-in-law. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a Gentile from a despised country. Solomon allowed his wives, and I mean wives, lots of them, to worship false gods. Many of the kings in the lineage of Jesus were outright just bad dudes. They worshipped false gods. They were tyrants. They were straight-up evil. Manasseh sacrificed his own son. But for a minute, I want to talk to you about two names. And we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but we're going over to Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 38. Very first book of the Bible. 
And for time's sake, if it's okay with you, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of what it says. But I would encourage you to dig in. I would encourage also that in the lineage of Jesus, ladies, it was very uncommon for women to be mentioned in lineage in Jewish history. For your women's group, I would encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to dig into the four names of women that were listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You will find some amazing, amazing stories of God's provision, protection, and, and, and just see him at work in these uh, incredible women in, in uh, the lineage of Jesus. So, anyway, side note. So, the Cliff Notes version of Genesis 38. Judah finds this lady named Tamar for his son. But, but the wicked son, this is so he could be, for, to be his wife, he found her. So this wicked son dies, and, uh, well, that happens. So Judah explains to his second son, Onan, that he must follow the law of the, the Levite marriage, which are in Deuteronomy 25, 5-10. These laws dictate that the brother of the dead husband must marry the widowed wife or his sister-in-law and produce an heir in order to keep the lineage of the deceased brother alive. But when it comes time for Onan to, to give her a son, he's not having it. He spends many nights with her. They'll keep this PG, right? He spends many nights with her, but takes off quick, gets out of there, lets his seed fall to the ground, right? He doesn't give her what she's looking for. So here's the deal. Onan knew that even though it was the law, any baby she was going to have would not be his heir. It would be his brother's. This is based on Levitical law, right? So God said, I'm not having it. What's he do? He kills the second brother. So Onan dies. So Judah sends Tamar back to her father's house until Judah's youngest son, uh, Shelah, is old enough for marriage. But Judah begins to think this lady is just plain old bad luck. Lost two sons because of her. At least that's in his eyes. So he, he drags his feet on sending his youngest son to her. So she takes some matters into her own hands and she dis- disguises herself as a prostitute and approaches Judah. This is the father. She asked for three personal items as a signet, uh, three personal items, a signet, a cord, and a staff. And she would hold these as a pledge until Judah pays her with a, with a sheep from his flock. So that's like the biblical equivalent of somebody giving somebody their social security card, their driver's license, and a credit card. All right? He gives her this stuff so he can spend time in her bed with her. So the next thing you know, she's pregnant. She gets pregnant, and Judah learns that Tamar conceives a baby out of wedlock and declares that she must be burned. So Tamar makes it known to the father of her that to him that the father of her baby is none other than he himself, Judah. And she has his social security card, his driver's license, and a credit card to prove that it was him. No way he could get out of this one. No way he could say it's not mine. It was, it was his. She gives birth to twin boys named Perez and Zerah. 
This reads like a modern-day soap opera. We take time to dig into it. It's like a Jerry Springer show. Right? This is crazy. All right? Exactly. It's like, right, Maury Povich, you are not the dad. 100%. Right? It's just crazy when you think about this stuff. So crazy. I don't even know if Jerry would have him on. But God's hand was still at work, even in the messiness of their life, the messiness of the details and the things that they were going through. God's hand was still at work in their lives. Eventually, Jesus was going to come through this line of messiness. And you think you have it bad. You think your family looks nuts. You think your family history is crazy. Thank God. Even with this kind of junk in his lineage, he remains sinless. Even in your ugliness, even in your sin, even in the messiness of your life, you can remain sinless. You can remain a child of God. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. He takes your brokenness and makes it whole. Hallelujah. He takes your brokenness and he makes it whole. Number two, God desires to make you a part of the family tree. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 3. This chapter starts out with Jesus healing on the Sabbath in the synagogue. The Pharisees get their robes all up in a bunch and hold a meeting with the Herodians to figure out how to destroy Jesus. And Jesus left the synagogue with the disciples and withdrew to his seaside vacation home. And the people with all their needs followed him. And he healed many of them. Unclean spirits cried out, You are the Son of God. He ordered the spirits not to make it known. He retreats to the mountains for another vacation and asked the disciples, it's not really vacation, his disciples to follow. And he appointed the twelve apostles and he sent them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. And that's what we're going to pick up in verse 20. And it starts there and it says, Then he went home and a crowd gathered again so they could not, so they could not eat. And when his family heard of it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. He's out of his mind. He's crazy. What is Jesus doing? He's nuts, right? This is his family, his mother and his brother. He's out of his mind. Talk about a dysfunctional mess. His own family is calling him nuts. And you would think they'd know down to 31 and 34, and it says, His mother and his brothers came, standing outside. They sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brother are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mothers 
and my brothers. For whosoever, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. When we are in the will of God, we are Christ's brother. We are Christ's sister. Amen? God doesn't have grandchildren. When we come to know Jesus Christ, we come to know God through the saving power of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, we become heirs. The Bible says joint heirs with Jesus. We become his brother, his sister. Hallelujah. That is good. That is good. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. The junk we're going through, the mess we're dealing with, has no comparison. It's apples and oranges to a life with Jesus Christ. They don't compare to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Hallelujah. No matter how messed up your family's been, no matter how messy your life has been, the, the sufferings that you are going through do not compare to the glory that's going to be revealed to you. Listen to this. God, he's bigger than your failures, and you can overcome your sin. You can overcome your sin. God is bigger than your failures. You can overcome your sin. Hear me this morning. You can overcome your sin. Hallelujah. He desires for you to become a healthy branch in his family tree. If you're a believer and a part of the body and the family of God, and you're dealing with hurts from your family, God wants you to be free from that heaviness. Do you hear me this morning? He wants you to be free Know this morning that you can be free from those things. Yes, you know the Lord, but maybe this morning you didn't know. You can be free from those things that control you, those hurts that have held you back. You can be free this morning. Hallelujah, you can be free. Give it over to Jesus. Let the power of this Holy Spirit consume you. Saturate your life with His presence because He's the healer of broken lives. He's the healer of broken dreams. He's the healer of broken relationships. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me this morning? Luke 14, 26 in the message translation says, Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brother, sister, yes, even their own self, cannot be my disciple. This morning, let those things go. Doesn't mean abandon them. Doesn't mean abandon your family. But what it's saying is don't let them take authority and rule over your life. He's the ruler of our life, He's the one in control. Place your life in His hands this morning. Become a healthy branch in His family. Amen? Hallelujah. God is good. Number three, God desires for us to become messengers for all the messiness of Jesus' family. God raised him up, a messenger. A messenger. 
Jesus' whole purpose was to live as a son of God. To become the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And to heal the messiness of our broken lives and relationships. And when, it come, when we become heirs through him, we are all called to become messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all have a purpose to fulfill. And that purpose is the Great Commission. We can read about it in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And it says, it says this, Now the eleven disciples sent to Galilee, to the, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, sorry, some reason my tablet changed it all. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's called all of us, every single person that is a Christ follower, to those that are not a Christ follower. He is calling to you this morning and saying, I have a purpose. I have a plan for you. You have a purpose and a plan. You know, as humans, even as Christians, we are going to make mistakes. We're going to fall, right? It happens to the best of us, I promise you. Amen? But when we are a Christ follower, he reaches down and he picks us up. He brushes us off, cleans us up again. Hallelujah. He makes us new again. We don't have to stay in our mess, but he uses our mess and our history for his glory. Not so that we can be lifted up, but so that he can be lifted up. And to say, look what I did for this person. The mess that I brought them out of, today they are serving me. They are living for me. Hallelujah. So as Christians, we can't just come to church. We can't just come here and sit in these four walls and sit in denial of our mess. We have to turn it over to Jesus. We have to turn our mess over to him. And we do. Our mess, your mess, will probably become your greatest testimony to share with people outside these walls. Because people need somebody who's been through the struggle. They're not looking for somebody who's perfect. They're not. They're looking for somebody who's been through some things but can stand and say, my God, cleaned me up. He made something new out of my life. Hallelujah. The term Christian, the word Christian, in its simplest form just means this, to be like Christ. Amen. To be like Christ. And when we are like Christ, we have a purpose to carry the message of his saving grace 
his power through salvation to the lost and dying world. He takes us from being a mess to being a messenger. Hallelujah. He, he needs you. He needs your words. He needs your life. We are his hands. We are his mouthpiece. And he needs you to bring the message to a lost and dying world. Hallelujah. You have a purpose this morning. Every single one of you have a purpose. You have a purpose in this life. You have a purpose to live for him. He's calling you this morning. Amen? For a minute, as we close, if I get you just to close your eyes, bow your head. Okay? Close your eyes, bow your head. I'm just going to begin to talk for a minute. You could start playing that song, Sal, please, again. I like to say we're not here by accident. We didn't walk through the door by accident this morning. God's brought you here for a reason. He's speaking to you. He's calling to you this morning as the song says. You know, whether we are Christian or not Christian, oftentimes that brokenness and that messiness that we have in our lives stems from a desire to live for ourselves, to fill desires of pride, lust, whatever it might be. And oftentimes it leads to a mess. But this morning he's calling us from that mess to become a part of his family, to be a part of his family tree. And without him, without Jesus Christ, you're going to stay in that cycle. You're going to stay in that same place. This morning you need him. He desires to change your destiny. He desires to change that cycle of failure. Desires to change that cycle of sin in your life. Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 10, 13 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. I know God gave me this message for you this morning. It's simple. It was a simple message. No deep revelation here. Just a need for Him. A need for a Savior. I know there's people sitting in here this morning who have deep hurts. Deep hurts. There's some that have been sitting here this morning that have been passed over, forgotten by those that should have loved them.
you feel forsaken because of those who should have cared for you the most. They abuse you. Abandon you. And you've got hurts in your life because of this mess of your family. There's some that sit here this morning who've caused hurts in your family. You've caused them. But this morning, the Lord is calling you. There's forgiveness for you this morning. There's forgiveness in this house of God for you this morning. There's forgiveness for the messiness and the sin and the brokenness of your life. And He's calling you. He's speaking to you right now. He wants nothing more than to pick you up, to brush you off, hallelujah, to make you a new creation, to heal you. Hmm. Jesus, when you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, He's going to radically transform you. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, He trades beauty for ashes, joy for our mourning, and praise for a spirit of heaviness. You don't have to be mournful this morning. You don't have to carry burdens of ugliness. You don't have to carry burdens of sin. He desires to consume you. Make Him Lord of your life today. Today. Make Him Lord of your life. You have a purpose. He has a plan for you. Hallelujah. For just a minute, I want to encourage you to do as the song says. Come to the altar. This place right here, right at the front, An altar is just a symbolic place of saying, Lord, here I am. I'm surrendering to you. I'm giving you my life. It's a step. It's really just a step of faith. But if God is speaking to you this morning, I would encourage you to come. To come. Just lay it at his feet. Seek him for his forgiveness. And to turn your ugly mess over to him. For he is good. He's a good father. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This next song plays. Let's just keep focusing on him for just a minute. So I know he's speaking to hearts this morning. He's talking to people's lives. He cares for you. He loves you. Can we just stand for a minute, everybody? Staying focused on Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank You. We love You, Lord. Thank You for calling us out of a mess. Thank You for bringing us Your forgiveness, Lord. We love You, Jesus. 
you guys have a prayer team here? You want to just come? If you, if you feel a need to speak with somebody or to talk to somebody or have somebody pray with you, please, please, please come. Don't hesitate. Don't wait another moment. Nobody's looking at you funny. Nobody's going to condemn you. They're praying for you. They care for you. They love you. 